The following is a sponsored program on 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this program are solely those of the individuals or participants involved and do not necessarily represent those of Braden Madison Broadcasting or its employees. 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday morning at 10 AM. Sumner County Spotlight is brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. FNM Bank offers personal banking, business banking, and mortgage loans too. FNM Bank is one of the top independent banks in Tennessee. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, MMLS number 518158. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight. Jeff Shannon. Well, good morning. This is Jeff Shannon, and this is Sumner County Spotlight, brought to you in each and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock right here at WHIN by FNM Bank, our good friends, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard right here in Hendersonville. Uh, for all of your banking needs, that's FNM Bank. Well, this morning, we have a special guest in the studio this morning, and Gene Rhodes, commissioner here in Sumner County. And uh, Gene, welcome to the show, and kick it off. Tell everybody about yourself. Um, thanks for thanks for having me, Jeff. Um, well, I'm, most people probably know me. I've been in the commission for three years now. Now, um, born and raised in South Carolina, moved to Tennessee when I got out of college back in '92, and I've uh, been a Sumner County resident for over 20 years now. Got two boys in the Sumner County school system. One is a senior, which is a little sad to know that he's going to be graduating here in a few weeks. And Crazy. then I've got one that's going to be a freshman next year at Beach. So wow. still got some time in the system, and it's time time to uh, watch them grow up and enjoy things. Yeah, well, that's it. What was your business prior to? Well, I guess you're still maybe even doing. Yeah, that, I'm actually. Um, I, I work with architects and contractors and engineers um, to help them design buildings and, and walls and structures all over the state of Tennessee and Kentucky. Yeah. And uh, been doing that for over 20 years. So mostly commercial. Yes. Yeah. It's not residential stuff. Correct. Yeah. I try okay. to stay out of the residential side. <laughs> well, there's more money in commercial. Yeah. <laughs> well, and all the growth going on here in uh, Middle Tennessee, it's insane what's going on. Yeah. Nashville's, Nashville's crazy. And when you watch the news and you just see, you know, just like with that Oracle thing they announced yesterday, crazy. it's, it's going to be it's going to be insane for years to come here, I believe. Well, let, let, I mean, let's take a look at Gallatin. I mean, oh, my gosh, the stuff that's going on out there and then Facebook comes coming in i mean it's it's people are eyeing this middle tennessee area yeah and one thing about it you know you think about something like oracle it's only gonna have a domino effect into the surrounding counties and not only will davidson county benefit we we're going to benefit all the other counties around it will benefit sure so. you know with you going into the commission what made you decide to hey i want to make a difference i want to run what, what was your idea with that well i just um i had never dreamed or thought that i was going to get into any type of political environment and um i, I just decided one day it was time to to do something different time to show my boys that uh, just because you think you can't do something you can and and i feel like i can make a difference because i view this as a community service more than anything uh how can i help our community and what can i do to help our schools etc yeah well i always thought it was that it takes a special person to get into politics and you got to be pretty (laughs) thick-skinned You know what I'm saying? It's just like, and it doesn't matter. I mean, my my view that I see, it's just, it doesn't matter if you do everything right, somebody's going to find something wrong. 
You know, it's a 50-50 kind of thing, it seems like. Well, it, it, it's probably more of a 90-10. <laughs> 90 people believe you're doing something right. 10%, 10% believe you're doing something wrong. But those 10% seem to be the loudest yeah. and make the most noise. Um, but, yeah, you definitely have to have thick skin. You definitely have to have a smile on your face and just be able to, to ignore a lot of things that are being said. Well, and, and I think a lot of people avoid the social media, trying to even, even look at that stuff. It's just like the, a lot of the entertainers they don't look at the trades because you know it's just going to depress them you know well, social media is um it's a good and a bad thing yeah you know unfortunately uh but i've just learned to just let it pass and <laughs> do the job that we're supposed to be doing and the That's one right. that we're elected to do yeah so how many years ago was that when you got on the commission this is uh 20 let's see 2022 will be our our next election so mm-hmm. we're we're approaching we're three years in mm-hmm. um so 2022 is right around the corner. So, uh, commissioners, they, they, every two years? Four. Yeah. Four. So, you're mm-hmm. here for four. Okay. Yes, All right. Now, was there talk about the term limits uh, for the county commission? It hasn't been discussed since I've been in office, but I'm sure that people would like to do it. You know, like I said, I, I, I don't view that the county commission as, a, as a, a political role because, you know, it's not like we're setting gun laws and and things like that. We're, mm-hmm. we're trying to serve the county, serve the citizens, do what's right. Some people take it in a different role. I just view it as community service. Sure. Now you're district seven in the county. So what, what are the, give us a, a what are your, what are your boundaries? What's so your district area? seven is, is of course all the districts today have grown substantially because of the growth. District seven, basically I live on the edge of district seven off of Shackle Island. So if you take Shackle Island and you go down to Old Shackle, come up Westington and encompasses all of the streets of Indian Lake and goes all the way to basically Station Camp up to Long Hollow okay. and Latimer Lane in that area. Mm-hmm. So it's rather large. There's a yeah. lot of a lot of residential growth that has happened in seven, bef- even before I became Commissioner in seven, but even so afterwards. Well, there's it's still some land out there that from what I'm seeing, and, and I think a lot of folks that have those farms are, uh, I don't know if they're being pressured to sell uh, because Hendersonville's kind of run out of land. Yeah. <laughs> Can't, not like you can make up land, you know, it's just got to... Exactly, exactly. A lot of that is in the city now. A lot of my district is in the city of Hendersonville. So most of that growth really on the county side, we don't have any control over. Mm-hmm. Um, most of that will go through Keith's department here in the city. But, uh, you know, Durham Farms and, and all of that area. Of course, ironically, where I live, the city circles me. Um, there was a moratorium put on uh, annexation years ago, so my subdivision did not get annexed mm-hmm. so it's a little tricky on that on that shackle island area because there's a few spots of property that's still in the county but most of that is in the city and of course when you cross over long hollow you got somerset downs in that area which is in district seven as well which is in the city in the in the county but most of that growth has been within the city limits of hendersonville throughout time especially with like durham farms and autumn creek and those areas yeah they're growing like crazy out mm-hmm. there now i guess all that was was that farmland that some one person owned all of that you know i don't know I when i when I moved here, that development was under construction. Uh, it's just like most everybody that that's moved here from areas, they've all moved into a, a subdivision that's been developed over the course of time, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's kind of how it's how it's played. But um, Somerset Downs was under construction, and, and Autumn Creek was under construction, and uh, all of those areas were just puds basically that were being built when I moved here. So I'm not sure who owned the property or 
or any of that. So you would be um, in the school district. That would be Beach. That is correct. I'm, my oldest is a senior at Beach, and my youngest he's an eighth grader at Knox Doss, but he'll be a freshman at Beach next year. Mm-hmm. I know they were talking about doing some boundary changing for the school systems or moving things around because they have the new Liberty going in yeah. and such. Is that going to affect you at all? Not at all. Good. No, yeah. it's, um, I think we're pretty much set, um, and that's more geared towards the school board, but I think that Dr. Phillips and his team have, have put together a good boundary and uh, to where it encompasses the proper developments and neighborhoods. And you know, like I say, we've been we've been happy with Beach, happy with Knox Doss, happy with you know even before we got moved to Station Camp, we've been to several of them. So we've been extremely happy with the schools. Yeah, there's got to be change. But I'll tell you, Dr. Phillips and his crew over there have done just an amazing job. The awards that they've they've gotten as a school board is super impressive. A lot of people uh, will say negative things because they don't want growth or they're talking about overcrowding and things like that. And look, they've already thought this stuff out years ago. And, and it and factored in what the growth is going to be. And it continues to grow here. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's a place that we've attracted people and people want to be here. Oh, it's so. a, a lot of it has to do with the quality of life, cost of living. I mean, we are still one of the least costly places in Middle Tennessee to live. We've got a great chamber of commerce. And, and I've always been a firm believer is if you have good schools, you're going to have good citizens. Yeah. And it's going to create good growth. And, and I think that's very important especially with the explosion of Nashville and the people that are going to be trickling out that can't afford to live in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we need to make sure that we have the quality and, and controlled. Well, growth. sure. And I think the, you know, the crime rate uh, here is uh, not what it is downtown. And I attribute uh, Chief Miller and uh, the sheriff doing a great job on enforcement. Because I think people, they come here to Sumner County, Hendersonville, to commit a crime. Guess what? They're going to get caught. Right. And you're going to be put and sent to jail. Right. You know, and they've got the technology out there and their investigators are top notch. I mean, they're controlling this. So we don't have that same situation they're having right. down there. Right. In the in the county side, are you seeing much from the commission standpoint, uh, crime issues coming up or any of that? No, not, no. We've got a, I mean, we've got an excellent sheriff. He's got excellent staff. Um, I, I do want to back up on one thing when you were talking about the schools, schools and mm-hmm. Dr. Phillips, I think it's very important for people to understand how great it is to have a school board and a county commission that's able to work together to be able to provide the things for the schools that we need and to be able to continue to make our schools top in the state of Tennessee. Absolutely. Uh, because if we don't have that, we're not going to be where we are today. Well, I think and, one of the people that when they start to move this area, that's one of the things they look at. I know Kathleen and I, we looked at, we had to have a good school a system, which we saw nothing but stellar reviews on the, the school system here in Sumner County. Since being here and, and meeting Dr. Phillips and knowing his staff and Scott Langford and all the guys, and it, it's just amazing. We've been so impressed. Yep. Yeah, so I just wanted to make that uh, yeah. make that point. So, <laughs> so what do you what do you find is uh, being uh, I guess the most rewarding about serving? Well, you know, when I sit down and I look over the course of the last three years of what we as a commission have done is pretty phenomenal. You know, we we've got obviously the new jail pods that are fairly close to having their grand opening. Which you say, oh, jail pods, yeah, we need it. You know, so tell us about that. What? There's two new additional jail pods that have okay. been built behind the Sumner County Jail uh, because they were basically overcrowded, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, these probably will be, too. If you build it, they'll come, you yeah. know, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. And uh, and then those are be those will be finished soon. And then, you know, when you look at Liberty Creek High School and Liberty Creek Elementary School under construction right now, mm-hmm. um, 
that's that's a huge thing for this county that that we as a commission have been able to provide yeah um and then you know we've got the courthouse the new summer county courthouse that's you know it's fenced off up there and ready to go and mm-hmm. ready to break ground and which is a much needed asset to everybody here sure. people maybe not they're gonna go oh we need a courthouse well we need a courthouse you know mm-hmm. and and when you have things like that it just creates positive environment absolutely um, but those those are some huge accomplishments i think we have done and and it just to see what else is coming we just approved two more new schools um not not big schools but we've got the liberty creek middle school okay which will be on the same campus so we're going to have the 300 i mean the three schools all right there together kind of like a station camp kind correct. of situation which um, is so cool i yep, love that it really yep. is and yep. then there there actually is a park that will be a county park that will be in the middle of all of that so there will be a new road that cuts all the way through um and then we've got a new basically elementary school going to white house so that they're getting so crowded up there that they're gonna they're gonna have like k one and two in one school and then they're gonna move three four and five to a new school that's going to be built on property already owned by the school system at white house middle school so that way it'll you know eliminate some overcrowding there those are just when you look at those things and what we've accomplished as a commission it just it just makes you feel good you know where the direction you're sending the county to with all the growth here in Sumner County, I think it, it takes a commission and everybody working together. And the fact that, you know, you work great with the school board, you're working well with the citizens. And I think the citizens like to have that communication with their commissioners so that you, you guys can vocalize what the citizenry wants right. and what their requests are. Yeah. Well, and I, and I try to be, you know, my phone number is publicized. I try to answer every phone call I can from you know, whether it be a, a water issue, a pothole issue, or... What about the car warranties? I don't know. That, that's, I can't answer those. <laughs> if you get rid of those, that'd be great. Uh, exactly. <laughs> the other commissioner for District 7, uh, newly appointed, uh, Brian Stewart. How, how's he doing so far? Brian's doing great. Brian and I, we um, we met Saturday morning and helped sponsor a, uh, a little kickoff for the Beach Environmental club where they were doing a trash cleanup for hendersonville and uh, he's really he's really taken on the role well he's a great guy and um, i enjoy serving with him uh, we talk quite often mm-hmm. and uh, i think it's important to be able to do that you sure. know even if there's times where you can't agree on certain things you got to agree to disagree and be able to get along and he and i agree on everything and well, it's go. a good team you yeah. know well it totally works so hey we're up on our first break right here so okay. we'll be right back talk with commissioner gene rhodes right after this message FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. And we're back on this Sunday morning on Summer County Spotlight. Uh, we are talking with Commissioner Gene Rhodes right now. And I want to back up. And we were talking a little bit about the, uh, the the criminal justice building, the courthouse down in Gallatin. So that's it. Has it started or is it just starting to? It is. It is not there? started yet. Um, and and I, I have to tell you, I haven't driven by there in several weeks. But I know that there's been a construction fence put up. Commissioner Shell has done a great job spearheading that whole project and and if you ever get a chance to get her on here to talk about Mm -hmm. the the courthouse project it's definitely worth it but her and her team have done a great job but uh it's it's pretty close to having groundbreaking um should be coming up soon and then they'll start stabilizing and i think they've got to remove a building and then start 
start working away on it. And uh, well, I think it's great how they're maintaining the architecture down there. Oh, absolutely, and keeping it's, that look. I mean, it's awesome. It's going to do wonders for for downtown Gallatin. Um, just uh, it, it it doesn't sit right on the street. Uh, it's on the lot next to where the library is, and it sits back, mm-hmm. so you really don't lose any. Their their goal was not to let the church lose any of their views from the stained glass windows that they have, and the, the team has really done a good job of thinking about everything that was needed to be done. And uh, and, and and not only is it going to be great for Gallatin, it's going to be great for the judges because. You know, the, let's just face it, the, the courthouse and, and everything that they have down there now is just way out of date. So. And it's amazing how fast that happens. <laughs> oh. Well, this one, uh, JPA, the people that have worked with it, they do courthouses all over the country. And um, I believe they're doing the federal courthouse in Nashville. So they know security. But they I mean, do. Added security, yeah. even more so now that we have to have that added Absolutely. security for them. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's, and that's part of what it is. You know, it's just, let's face it, today's world that we live in is not today's world that a lot of people grew up in. That's, and yeah. uh, so security is is important for these guys that are dealing with criminals. From a, a county perspective, what do you, what do you, does the commission see as one of the biggest hurdles that you could be facing right now? Oh, of course. It'd be a lot of them. But. Uh, that's a million dollar question, <laughs> Jeff. I mean, you know, I guess the biggest thing is the uncertainty of what's going on in the world. And it'll eventually have a trickle down effect on everybody. You know, as far as what we have in place, uh, we're we're good. Good. Like I say, we still have one of the lowest tax rates around. Very affordable to live here. Unfortunately, not affordable to buy gas, no matter where you go. <laughs> I, I saw it yesterday for over $3 a gallon, and I can't remember where I was, but uh, it was in Nashville. I, I don't really foresee any hurdles or obstacles that we as a commission are having to face. So with the commission w- working together, I mean, you, you have such a wide area in Sumner County uh, to deal with so many different districts and people's opinions and you're trying to keep everybody happy how, how does one go through you know if somebody is proposing something a building a, a project or what have you and they have to come before the commission i mean there's a, a few hurdles they have to jump through it's not just a one-shot deal and you're in no that's correct of course to touch on that a little bit as far as the commission and working together obviously there's committees um, that we all have different parts on. I serve on gen ops and I serve on highway. Um, I serve on planning. So, and planning consists of, there's three commissioners um, and the rest are actually citizens. So Commissioner Chris Taylor and Commissioner Billy Gamendon and myself serve on planning commission. And Josh Suddeth, who is uh, an employee for the county is over, he's the director of planning and stormwater and development. So anything that is being presented within the county, whether you're building a, a one house or a 10 house or a hundred house neighborhood or a a streets of indian lake if it's all in the county it has to go through josh's department and Mm -hmm. there's procedures that they have to go through in order to even get it brought before the planning commission Mm -hmm. Um, then once it goes through the planning commission we can either say yes or no or kick it back or say you need to make this change that change or we don't like it so you're working with all the the city planners as well no no everything that if the city of hendersonville had a development that wanted to come in and it was in the city limits it goes strictly to the city of hendersonville so Uh, this is only in the county okay so you know rarely rarely and and it's and it's a very rare occasion that we get a very large development 
especially residential that wants to most of the time residential will ask to be annexed into mm-hmm. the cities uh, but rarely do we have that we've had a few um without any hiccups you know a lot of them are small businesses that want to you know build a, a rock supply store or something mm-hmm. you know the biggest one we have right now in front of us in the planning which i'm excited about is the goat farm which is the new development obviously between gallatin and hendersonville um most of the, um, I say most, all of the residential portion and retail portion is in Gallatin city limits because of the where the line is drawn. Mm-hmm. Um, and from my understanding, the residential is condos um, and, and, and it's not apartments, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. And then there's the county portion of that would have the, uh, the ice rinks. Okay. Um, Which I know is a big thing. People have been yeah. wanting something like that forever. Uh, and I think Hendersonville might have dropped the ball on uh, yeah. getting that into Hendersonville. But, uh, hey, uh, it's it's well needed for sure. But that being said, we as a planning commission, we set standards of, of what we want to see and how we want to see it done. And, and, and we're not going to just let something be built to be built. And I think it's important to have some input on what's going on and, and how they're going to go about it. So what do you see as the, the climate for commercial growth? That's that's a good question. Um, you know, as you talked about earlier, we were talking and, and, and it's just I think that we are primed for that here. But I think most of the commercial growth would have to be in in the cities. And this is just my personal opinion. This has nothing to do with county or anything. It's just me talking. But I think most of that would have to be in the cities, Hendersonville's and your Gallatin's. Of course, commercial growth out in the county would be way out in the county because <laughs> you're not going to put a a, a, a a public shopping center in the middle of middle of the county somewhere yeah. but you know i think that it's just you know finding the right locations and and the right d- development to do it um but i do think it's a good time for it. yeah you know with the economic development uh, as it is i mean it's such a, a, a vital part on really bringing people and getting them interested here in sumner county i know that the cities have their their planners economic development directors uh, you know out working as well is there any kind of like a template of the type of businesses we want to bring to Sumner County or anything like that. I don't know if that's the right wording or not, but. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen anything like that, but I mean, I know that if I had my druthers, I'd know what kind of businesses I'd like to bring to Sumner County. Any type of positive office complexes, of course, we're not going to be your Maryland farms, but people like that, that it's going to, it's going to keep your tax dollars here mm-hmm. rather than driving to Nashville every day or going out to eat in Nashville every day, going to dinner in Nashville every day. We, I would much rather drive three miles to somewhere here in town sure, than to, to drive 15 or 20 miles to downtown Nashville. Well, we got to support the local businesses and thrive in the 37075. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think that's the the attraction, and I think more and more people are, are kind of figuring it out. It's like, why do I want to drive 30 minutes or a 15-minute drive that can take you an hour just to get down to Trinity Lane and sit there for, you know, half hour in traffic? I mean, it doesn't doesn't make sense, but uh, I think the attraction to Sunbrook County is is there, and I think people see that. And, you know, many, many years ago, when, when Hendersonville and this area really started growing on this north side of the lake, I think people saw something that they they wanted to to be here, and a lot of the entertainers sought houses here and everything else. And you, you know the history yeah. that's going on here, which I think is phenomenal. Well, I can tell you that when I first moved to Sumner County, I lived in the Goodlettsville part of Sumner County, but I went to First Baptist Church, and probably about where we're sitting right here is where I used to get off at this exit and drive down a two lane road to come out by Lowe's to turn to go to the First Baptist Church. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, when you think about that time frame. 
20, 20 years seems like a long time, but that's not a long time mm-hmm. to see what's happened here. Yeah. You know, and then to see what the next 20 years could do here is is pretty crazy. And um, we'll be double decking uh, 386. There you go. So serving on the, the planning commission, you know, I guess you, you get a lot of these developments that come through. What's some of the maybe memory put you on the spot here? But do you remember any kind of bizarre kind of situations that wanted to come here that was denied? Most of and and, and, I, and I praise Josh for what he does, but Josh and his staff does a tremendous job of pretty uh, of their homework yeah, before that kind of weed them out. out before they. Not really. I mean, we've had a, a, a residential development here and there that's you know wanting to move into the county that just didn't fit the criteria of what we wanted. Everything is pretty much cut and dry. Yeah, nothing crazy because, like I say, most of the crazy stuff hits the city's the city's plannings, and we don't have to worry about that. So. <laughs> well, one of the things that I would love to see, and of course, that's never going to happen, and I think they tried to do that at Twitty City at one point, is to make that like a Branson, Missouri kind of situation. We have all the theaters, and you have all of the music and entertainers that that set up down there i think it's a great idea now finding enough property to build those those theaters is uh, another thing but we had to find some private money to do that yes okay all your private money all your rich people out there <laughs> let's make it happen yeah. <laughs> but yeah so what are the things that, uh, that the commission might be doing uh that people might not know at this point i think uh, you know it's i think we're pretty transparent yeah, everything we do is pretty much right there and in, in black and white and available online and and um, nothing unbeknownst to anybody. Yeah, you know. So we're going to have some elections coming up pretty soon. The, the, well, we got twenty twenty two. Yeah, county mayor will be twenty twenty two. The yeah. whole full commission is up for reelection in twenty twenty two. So it's a little bit different than the like city of Hendersonville, uh, where they do half and half every every four years in the county is um, everybody's up. So it's. If you don't like the person, you can there you go. Tell them by voice it. So, if you have like two two commissioners in each district, Correct. right? Are they timed out so that both can't be gone at the same time? It's is it staggered? So you, it's not staggered at all. Yeah. So both are running at the same time. Okay. All right. And yeah. um, you know, I think there had been some talks in the past about changing that, but basically every four years you can clean slate and start over with twenty four new people if you want to. Wow. <laughs> Which in some cases is a little, you know, it could be a little difficult because if you're in the middle of working on some major things like schools or a courthouse or something like that, it could, you've, you've spent years developing relationships sure. with these people that you're working with. So it just makes it a little bit difficult. Well, one of the things I always said is that it's great to have the changeover to get new blood in there, new visions going on where you have the individuals that are locked in there for 20 years. You get pigeonholed in that and you just feel like it, you own everything. So it could be detrimental. But again, if you look back on the knowledge that they have, that's what you're losing. Right. You have all of that history of things that went on many years ago that affect what's going on today. But to have somebody there that can have that that historic knowledge, I think, is beneficial. But on the other hand, it could also be detrimental. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, I think the key is communication with everybody in the in the commission. We just got to keep it moving positive. I'm looking forward to 2022. I know I'm gonna hit the streets and knock on doors again because I enjoyed that. I enjoyed meeting people. I enjoyed hearing what they had to say, yeah. good or bad, well, and um, move forward. 
Well, I'm sure everybody appreciates your service here. And uh, well, we've been talking with uh, Commissioner Gene Rhodes. Uh, he's a District 7 in the Sumner County Commission. And Gene, thank you for coming in and spend a little time uh, with us. Anytime. It's been, been fun. There's a lot of things that we can continue to talk about, but that, that's another time. I'm just time. glad you didn't make me come in here and sing or something. <laughs> well, if you want to do a couple impersonations. <laughs> no, we're, uh, we're, we're good. I'll, I'll pass. <laughs> no Johnny Cash. Uh, not, not today. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been talking with Gene Rhodes, and thank you so much for, for coming in. Uh, that's good wrap it up this uh, segment of Sumner County Spotlight. This is Jeff Shannon and we'll be right back after these words. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. Okay, welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight. This is Jeff Shannon, and we're going to continue on with the Spotlight this weekend. And uh, we have a special guest in the studio. You you might have heard of this guy. He's kind of been around a few years, but uh, Johnny Garrett. He's our state representative in District 45. And I did not know this, but you're a seventh generation Goodlitzvillian. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> and gosh, you lived in, in Sumner County for over 35 years. So you've seen a lot of change and you grew up in Good, Goodlitzville. In fact, you even proposed to your wife there. That's right. At, at your childhood home. That's right. Well, in, in fact, not only did I propose to her there, we got married there wow. and we had our reception there. And so <laughs> we did everything at my at my childhood home there in Goodlitzville. So uh, it was that was an awesome time. That was 19 years ago now. Isn't that crazy how time flies? I mean, it's amazing. And uh, I guess you started in the banking business. You worked at the Bank of Goodlitzville and uh, Well, that's, that's an interest. That was my very first job when I was a uh, teenager, I guess. My mm-hmm. my family goes back. The, the seven generations side is from the Bank of Goodlitzville. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Colin Garrett Funeral Home there in Goodlitzville that actually kind of spread and spread throughout Sumner County at that time. That was my very first job was throwing the trash uh, around because back then the banking system was all paper, you know. Yes. So the amount of paper the bank generated was ridiculous, and so I helped uh, Thomas Downey, who 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 worked for the bank, a longtime employee of the bank. I helped him, and and it was pretty much filling up the trash truck of all that paper. Wow! <laughs> I think I lasted a month <laughs> at, that, at that job. Yeah. Uh, but great. I certainly worked hard during that yeah. during that summer. So. Well, and we're, we're talking about your your history. So let, instead of me trying to read something, sure. just just tell us about yourself. Okay. And, uh, okay. Well, I, I am I am uh, Johnny Garrett. I've lived in, in in Sumner County for most my life, other than when I went off to college at UT, and uh, and so now I'm 42. So I guess I've I've lived here for 37 mm-hmm. years. For a brief moment, we lived in Williamson County while I did go to law school, uh, but but came, became wiser and moved back home. To to my to my home county so oh, I, I i see here you have you have a bs degree now you're in politics <laughs> that's right that's now, right oh that's bachelor of appropriately <laughs> so, okay that's I, right i just want to you, clear you that up that's right that's right and so uh, i went i went to law school here at the nashville school law and i've been practicing with uh, bone McAllister norton uh since 2005 and mm-hmm. still still there in our sumner county office we've got lawyers in nashville as well and so uh but but really i i focus most of my time on on being president of Goodlitzville Little League Baseball. That's fun. <laughs> I've been, That's my, fun. my son now is 17, and he's been a part of that program since he was four and actually went through that program, I guess, 
after he was 14 years old. And so I don't have a, a kid that plays there anymore. So I'm, but I'm still president of the league. I still love it. So, yeah. so I spend a lot of time over there. Uh, so I say I, I practice law. I'm a, I'm a baseball guy. And then, and then I moonlight uh, in Nashville as the 45th district state representative. So uh, it, it's a, it's a busy schedule, but it's a schedule that I love. And, and, and like we said before, I met my wife in college. We got married at my childhood home. We've been married now for 19 years, have three kiddos, uh, 17, and then my son's 17, and then my daughters are 12 and 13. And so they certainly they certainly keep us very, very busy going from different events and whatnot that they are participating in. So so you still have the fur babies? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the dogs. <laughs> the uh, yeah. We've got Layla and Lizzie. There's my, my, Layla's my, my miniature Australian shepherd. And then Lizzie is our corgi, believe it or not. Oh, and okay. uh, and they rule the roost. Yeah. So how the, do they how do they get along with each other? They, to get, they get along great. Our, uh, it's odd. Our, our Australian shepherd is real skittish. I've never had a dog that really likes us, but but other folks <laughs> better watch out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So listen, wait, you know, you, you, you're doing law. What was your your special I guess you're still practicing law. What are some of the specialties you focus I, on? I have I don't know if you would call it maybe a general practice law. I don't do any type of criminal work, but I have clients that that vary from business folks, small to medium sized businesses. I do estate and probate work, and I also do some family law. And uh, but my my primary focus is is in the litigation world, and uh, where where folks just can't you know they got into a business arrangement or whatnot, and they just didn't like how it turned out, and maybe they got to seek other assistance to figure out how we're going to wind that particular venture down, and mm-hmm. and uh, and I try to help my my clients through that. So, uh, yes, I still primarily practice law uh, when I'm not down in, in Nashville uh, at the Capitol and uh, and enjoy that very much, being able to work and play here at home uh, for folks that uh, succeed in their business. I love to help them and, and avoid certain pitfalls that we all sometimes get in when we when we enter into the business world. Sure. So, what made you get this vision that you want to run for office? That's it's always an interesting question, and and I don't <laughs> know that I, that I have the best answer. But but when you when you build a rapport with your community and you want to figure out what's best and how you can serve that community, you start out I think in ways of of well, what's the nonprofits out there? How can I serve folks that are maybe not as blessed as me that 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 is underprivileged that just needs help in whatever they're involved in? So I got involved early on in the United Way here. In in Sumner County, who, who had about 35 or so different agencies that that they served on, that led to me serving on different boards and whatnot for nonprofits. And and I believe at one point I was probably serving on seven or eight different boards, like we all do yeah. uh, when we want to give back. And and I thought, what other way can I serve the community? And and I lived in Hendersonville for about 12 or 13 years, and then we decided to move back about four or five years ago back to Goodlettsville, where I was actually from, and never really thought about running for politics. I, I say that it's all about timing and opportunity. And my predecessor, uh, Courtney Rogers, decided not to to run again. And I literally just, you know, a year or two before moved back into that district. And I got the bug in my ear about, mm-hmm. about that. I was like, you know, I think I might be able to do this. And so I started talking to a few folks that I was interested in and wanted to see if I could get the support of my community and, and see if I would be a good fit and if I could bring my legal expertise, if I have any, <laughs> to, to Nashville and, and you know, create the laws that make a Tennessee an attractive place to live. Because, uh, I mean, this sounds cliche, but, but what I'm doing now, I'm probably not going to see the benefits of down the road. And so I want to have that same opportunity or give that same opportunity for my kids that I had to live back where I grew up. 
And I think the decisions that we're making now as a community, as a business leader, as a state legislator, uh, are important for what we're going to look like 20 years down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that has to be attractive to folks. we got to still maintain that we have this sense of community, that we can still call each other brother and sister and, and, and have a common goal of making our neighbor just as good as we have it, right? I mean that's that's the Absolutely. goal. That's what yeah. we what we strive to bring up our communities. And so, you know, I hope that what I'm doing down in Nashville for however long I'm down there is decisions we're making that brings my kids back here that say, you know what? I want to live in Tennessee. I want to live in Sumner County. I'd love for them to come back and want to live in Gillettsville, you know, or Andersonville <laughs> or somewhere else close by. Sure. And and those decisions we're making now is going to impact those decisions our kids make down the road. Now you're so, on your second term, right? I was elected in 2018, yep. and and our terms are two years. Two so years, I was yeah. reelected in 2020. Okay, and uh, so this is my, I guess my third session because there's two sessions within those two years, and uh, we we started back in January of this year, and we're probably going to wrap up now over the next three or four weeks. We'll be through with the first half of the 112th General Assembly. So this is my second term and I was elected in leadership halfway through my first term as the majority Republican whip and I was reelected this term. And so explain to me what is a whip. <laughs> people I, I keep when, hearing that. <laughs> people when I when, when I when I say I'm the Republican whip, they gave me that look like my dog does that I'm just really confused or <laughs> or I need to go outside. You so know, I, one of those are like, what does that do? Go out there and get that switch and let whip you that's right that's right that's right and so two two roles i have is is one if we have legislation that's coming through the house and the sponsor of the legislation another rep uh, we need to know kind of where where our caucus is where's the republican caucus on a certain issue where are they going to vote on a certain issue it's my job and i have a team of deputy whips that counts the votes whip the votes that's where the term whip okay. comes from so so i can provide our speaker cameron sexton and our leader william lamberth who represents the other side of Sumner mm-hmm. county where we are on certain legislation so the sponsor has an idea if he's got enough votes to pass the legislation and so that has one aspect of my job the second part is that the caucus the republican caucus and the senate caucus will raise funds in order for the caucus to help those folks in their re-election efforts when re-election time comes and so we have a campaign committee uh, that we appoint and, and certain members serve, and I'm in charge of that campaign committee. So I'm in charge of those races that our caucus will be involved in every election cycle. We had about nine or 10 races that we were in uh, this last term, and I was the one that was kind of leading those efforts. Okay. What are we gonna do? So that's that's sort of my second job as the Republican whip, is one, to make sure we return our super majority. Okay. Uh, in the House, we have 73 Republicans out of 99, and so one of my jobs is to ensure that we bring back 73 and potentially bring back more. Maybe, maybe we can pick up a seat or two out there. And so that's my primary responsibility on the campaign committee side of being the whip is to make sure we return our supermajority because the state of Tennessee has over the past 15, 20 years become more conservative Republicans. And and that's a reflection of how the General Assembly is set up right now. So mm-hmm. that's 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 a major job to make sure we maintain those supermajorities both in the House and in the Senate. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that you're doing. And I was looking at a list of the, I guess, the bills that you had spent sponsored and then went down the list and then there's 
even more that you've co-sponsored uh, with. And some of the, the interesting ones, we're going to talk about in the next segment because I want to get into the uh, the big tech uh, situation I think is, is very important. I think that the, the public probably really needs to know that. And one of the other uh, ones that I saw is the the ability for individuals if they had a lawsuit against the state that they're allowed to file it in their county, they don't have to come all the way to Davidson County, which I think before that's their requirement. If you want to sue the state, you got to come way over here. And then you could tell us a little bit about that and where that stands at this point. Now, you're on a couple of committees right now. So you're civil justice and the finance committee. That's right. So I, I'm <laughs> this, the speaker of the House appoints every standing committee. That's the full committee. Then there are subcommittees below each standing committee. He appoints everyone to whatever committee he believes they would offer the best advice to uh, based upon their particular background, et cetera. So my background as a lawyer kind of, you know, fits me being in the civil justice side. When I first came in my first term, there was just one judiciary committee and it had a civil and a criminal subcommittee. This year, those two have been separated out where, where the civil committee and the criminal committee are their own separate standing committee and have their own separate chairman. And so I serve just on the civil justice side. And so anything that deals with any constitutional issues or any civil related laws come through that committee. And the finance committee, anything that would cost the state something. So we have a piece of legislation that there is going to be a cost to the state that generates what's called a fiscal note. And so that particular legislation is assigned to a standing committee based upon the subject matter. But if it's got a fiscal note, it'll travel through the finance committee as well, where we analyze what it costs the city. Is the governor going to fund it? Is it going to go behind the budget? And you've got to go beg the governor to fund it uh, (laughs) and get it out from being behind the budget. And, uh, And so that committee is sort of the committee that makes sure that we are spending the money the state has in our budget Uh, that the governor proposes because we have to approve those bills that are actually funded versus ones that are not. And so there are a lot of bills that go behind the budget (laughs) because we all have different ideas on what we believe legislation should pass. But if there's a cost to that, there, of course, has to be a funding mechanism from the governor's budget in order for that to be out from behind the budget to actually get to the floor. So that committee is another very important committee to make sure we don't spend what we don't bring in (laughs) and in tennessee you know basically my only job as your state representative is to make sure that we balance our budget that's actually in our constitution so what money we bring in what revenues come in we have to make sure dollar for dollar that we spend that exact money we can't we can't operate off debts tennessee does not have a a credit card Mm -hmm. that that we can you know offset if we overspend so we got to make sure we spend exactly what tennessee brings in that committee is very integral in that process now there has been a big uh, push um with the schools i know i saw something on that that is very positive and i know the schools and the teachers are really looking heavily at that and and that's so important i think most of the general public would agree the teachers really need to be you know compensated and because it's hard on them i mean to, to go with that and, and you know with the school boards the way they are and having their budgets and things like that i know here in sumner county they're doing a stellar job but i know it's got to be hard you know when it starts coming to the budgets but i want to talk more about that as an, in addition to the other things we talked about we're going to go into our our break right now so we'll be back talking with representative johnny garrett right after this word fnm bank presents sumner county spotlights since 1906 fnm bank has been serving middle tennessee with first class products and services visit them today at 221 indian lake boulevard in hendersonville or myfmbank.com 
And we're back with Sumner County Spotlight. Uh, glad you found us here on this Sunday morning. Of course, uh, sponsored by our friends at F&M Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard right here in Hendersonville. We've been talking to Representative Johnny Garrett. And Johnny, you know, COVID has really had to have an impact on the way the state does business. How's that affected what you're doing? Well, I think that COVID has touched everyone in, in a way that it has almost I'm glad it didn't stop commerce completely, and uh, but it has interacted or touched everyone in a way that we never thought was possible. I mean, you know, for instance, whether it's you know whether I'm down in the Capitol or whether in your business, you know, the word Zoom, the word virtual, uh, the word COVID nineteen. I mean, who who knew what that was before a year ago when this first was present in the state of Tennessee? So it has dramatically changed. I think the way a lot of folks are going to do business because are they going to have offices? Are we going to have meetings that we traditionally when we all group together, or we're just going to click onto our phones that we all have that that can interact that way where you're now seeing people uh, that maybe 10 years ago we never had the ability to do. It's kind of like Star Trek now when you're talking on your your watch, you know, now. So in a sense, that's propelled us, I think, to the next generation of how we're going to interact with each other. Uh, From from this COVID experience, a lot of businesses had to shift immediately. My law firm went completely virtual. We put computers at our assistant's desk and our paralegal's desk and our lawyer's desk. We all went to a mobile device for our computer. We can work just as well at home as we could in our office. And so from the state capitals, so to speak, the oddest thing is that there was nobody in the building that we had problems with how we were going to interact with the public because my seat is not my seat. I mean, it's it's 45th district's seat. It's the people's seat. Mm-hmm. I go to the people's house. We want the people involved. We want to hear from our constituents. We want to hear from the associations that, that, that you are a part of that come down to lobby us on certain legislation because I can guarantee you this, anybody that comes down to Nashville that thinks they know every side of a particular bill that's being presented shouldn't be a legislator. Mm-hmm. There's no one down there that knows every aspect, every consequence or unintended consequence of a certain piece of legislation that we're trying to push down there that we believe is good legislation. So we have to hear from our folks down there. And that was a challenge. Um, I was talking to you earlier off air that, that, you know, when I first got down there, we were having meetings 15, 20 minutes apart all day, every day, you know, for four days out of the week, because I was meeting so many different folks that had so many different views and ideas on particular pieces of legislation that was going to come through that, that during that session. So we didn't have that when COVID hit. We didn't have that resource as much as we wanted uh, to have input from our constituents, from groups to make sure certain legislation came through or passed or potentially didn't pass if it was a bad piece of legislation. So that has changed. That yeah. is, we've adapted to make sure that we can connect with our folks through virtual halls, through through Zoom, or through whatever the case may be. So it's it's been a challenge. Sure. I mean, we, we still now have these plastic clear partitions as we sit on the floor. Yeah. I can't even talk to my, we our desks are two people per desk, and I can barely talk to the person I share the desk with because of the partition that's there to protect us from yeah. from the COVID, yeah. so to speak. I, I do think we're going to see the tail end of that mm-hmm. now. Uh, you know, I think most of the counties no longer have a mask mandate besides our more popular counties like Nashville, but that is coming to an end. And so, and so I'm hopeful that not only are we going to be able to interact in person with people more, but if you can't come down for whatever reason, we still have the ability to, to see you on a telephone or see you in person that way. Just, just about two weeks ago, I got to talk to the second graders over here in Hendersonville and I don't get an opportunity during session to talk to the full second grade class 
And so that is a positive thing that might have come out of COVID is the way that we can interact with our constituents, even though they may not be able to vote yet. Mm-hmm. We can actually talk to our second graders. And that was the whole class. So that was pretty cool to be able to be able to do that. And they sent me a nice letter and you zoomed uh, in. You zoomed in. I was that and I didn't realize at the time. I thought it was just one class, but it was the actual entire second wow. grade. Birth elementary, because it was there they were in the second yeah. grade. So so it was great to be able to have that interaction with that class. And I don't know if we would have done that if we didn't shift to doing some things virtually. Has that affected uh, like doing town halls where you're trying to get meeting with different groups in person? You have to do it all Zoom now. It does when you want to meet. And it also has affected even seeing folks in in events for nonprofits or events uh, throughout the city that we have in this community. I mean, community center. I mean, when we started baseball back up in May of last year, the protocols that we went through to sanitize uh, the dugouts, the the, you know their equipment we had spray there we didn't have the umpires behind the catcher they were calling balls and strikes behind the pitcher i mean we we had to think outside of the box on on how we were going to interact with each other and still not be in fear of contracting this virus. And so mm-hmm. it, it just forced us to think a little bit outside the box. And that's never a bad mm-hmm. thing, no matter what is making you do that. But but I do think that this is coming to an end where we don't have to worry about so much when we when we group together. I mean, yeah. we're, we're getting there. It's well, just, Davidson County has really lifted a lot of their mandates because I think they're at 35 percent, 40 percent vaccine, you know, that have been populate out. We still have a long way to go uh, for people to do that, but they're, they're starting to lift some of those. Of course, uh, Mayor Anthony Holt lifted the mandate here in Sumner County. People still should do that, and they still request that you still maintain and, and do kind of th- things like that. The new normal that we're facing, and we, we've learned a lot of things from the past year that are good, I guess. We can adapt into whatever that normal is going to be and, and use it as a, as a positive. We just kind of adjust what we do and how we do business. And how businesses have been affected. They've, they've come up with new ways of making money and staying in business. You guys have been busy, you know, at the Capitol. And one of the things that I, I wanted to talk about, which kind of lead, lead me into this, is the big tech uh, uh, situation that's going on and, and requiring uh, Facebook and Google and, you know, you know, how they get your information. This is the craziest thing I've ever heard. You could be in a room talking about something, and next thing on your on your feed, it, it shows up that, oh, I was just talking about painting the room, and now I'm getting all these paint ads. <laughs> now you're getting a Home Depot with their, right. their brand of paint. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, It's the Tennessee Information Protection Act is what it's called, and there's legislation traveling through the country to protect <laughs> folks' information that they provide when they sign up for using these particular digital platforms, right? You give them your email, potentially. You might give them your phone number. Uh, with that comes your IP address, where you're identifying information where you live. And then that creates what I refer to as a digital footprint. Yes. Uh, your, your phone, depending on what type of phone you have. I mean, I just happen to have an Apple phone. So that, that phone has my face, has my thumbprint, potentially has my credit card information mm-hmm. uh, for when I interact with different apps. And so what is happening is these apps collect your data. They then will transfer your data to a potential other app that might have a relationship with the company that owns that app. They share it, and then you'll get an ad. Boom. There it is. That will track because of where you went on your browser uh, for whatever reason, shopping or whatever you're doing, that they'll target you for that. So if you then click on that because, oh, that looks good. I like that product that's in front of my face. The app that actually transferred or sold your information to that particular company will get a kickback Mm -hmm. on 
what information that you provided to them that you had no idea they were going to transfer or sell to someone else. And then they want to read your, their Privacy mm. Act, which is like 12 pages long, and well, nobody's going to do that. That's so. right. Nobody <laughs> reads the terms and conditions. You yeah. know, it pops up when you enter into one of these particular applications yeah. or social media platforms. So what this does is this says, now, wait a minute. All right, you're, you're going to do it. Great, fine. But you've got to separately say to the consumer under this act that you do sell their information and you can opt out. Okay. They can. They have to let you say, Mm-mm, you've got to take my information and keep it. You don't have my permission to sell it. You don't have my permission to share it. You don't have my permission to track me whatsoever under this particular act, unless I give you the permission to do so. Mm-hmm. And so that has some sweeping <laughs> uh, <laughs> interactions with, with different businesses and, and who it may affect. Because when you buy a car, you know, that particular dealership is collecting information. Does it apply to them? Well, not necessarily unless they sell your information. Mm-hmm. And so the legislation is traveling through the General Assembly right now, but we are going to have what I would refer to as a select committee on privacy that I'm going to hopefully be able to lead, be the chairman of. And so we can come together with the legislation that we've got drafted right now to come up with legislation that targets these specific platforms. So people actually know as they interact with their phone, which I don't know anyone that these days don't have a phone uh, that has a camera, that has a browser, that can interact with these apps, that you provide the information just like you would provide it, you know, your driver's license if you were going to a baseball game or something to get in, give them their ID. I mean, it's that simple now to sign up for these certain platforms and you don't know what they can do with just your email address. And then with Apple uh, or, or Samsung or whatever company you have that has this phone that has your face, that's called biometric data. Yeah. Your fingerprint, your face, facial recognition, your, you know, anything that they can look at you and then get access to your personal information. That's stored out there, and we don't know what these companies are doing with that. Sure. This act would protect those consumers. And in the end, will someone say, well, what happens if they just willy-nilly and they don't do anything about it? Well, right now, you would have a private right of action to sue these companies for misusing your information. The Attorney General of Tennessee could find them for each single violation. So if they're a multiple violator with multiple consumers that they're using their uh, information and they're not supposed to be, in a way they're not supposed mm-hmm. to be, the Attorney General can find them. So so there is a lot to this legislation that I think will protect users of a social media platform that right now this protection doesn't exist. So it's looking pretty good? I mean, I think so. There's a lot of support yeah. for it. Everyone loves the idea. It's just getting the language right because we don't want to capture. We're sitting here in this beautiful streets of Indian Lake. We don't want to capture, and I'm looking over here at the Binks store over here to my right. We don't want to capture a store like Binks, like a mom and pop shop that collect data for their own purposes. And so a lot of our businesses are worried that this legislation could incorporate them when it's not intended to. So we're still fine tuning the language, getting it correct, but there is widespread support. And I expect we're going to have some probably next year that's going to protect our consumers as they travel through the digital universe. Yes, indeed. Well, it's, it's a, a new way of doing business and uh, people have to adapt to it. You and as Senator Hale are also working on a, um, I guess, uh, some legislation to implement a permanent CDL ban for sex trafficking offenders. That's right. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And they just load people <clears throat> into these trucks or whatever. How, it, it, it's amazing. A, it's a terrible, terrible 
way that that folks are are and it really targets kids and girls and 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 women when when they're when they're trafficking humans either for purposes for sexual purposes or any other type of human trafficking and so we, we are continually strengthening our laws to deter folks from coming to tennessee and thinking they can get away from this so what this legislation does and i really appreciate senator hale sponsoring this legislation with me uh, right now it's a federal crime if you if you commit one of these crimes you do lose your cdl uh, your commercial driver's license and the reason why that's important is because most of the time you're right jeff that they have these big vans or these big whatever they just have they just have these girls or ladies or even guys in this van really transporting humans in, in mass so mm-hmm. to speak and so that's why that commercial driver's license is is an important piece to this so what will happen under this particular legislation in tennessee is if you are convicted of a trafficking crime you will not be able to hold a cdl commercial driver's license in tennessee forever that's currently federal law we are codifying here in tennessee to make sure if, it, if it's a state crime as well that our department of safety who governs licenses can revoke that CDL. Also, our, our, our laws go a step further than what the federal government does here in the state. So this law that has passed is that if you also do a trafficking act in your personal vehicle and you hold a CDL, you'll lose your CDL. We can't take away their driver's license because if you're remember, they're on a conviction. Yes. So in a conviction, they're going to jail. Yes. They're not going to be able to drive <laughs> any other personal <laughs> car, uh, but they will lose yeah. the ability to have that CDL. The federal law is that, that they have to actually do the act while they're using their commercial driver's license. Yeah. Tennessee goes a step further and says, no, you can in any act that you do, if you're walking them down the road, you can certainly you, you lose your ability to have a commercial driver's license here. So we go a step further here. In yeah. state and state. I think a lot of people don't realize that how much of the trafficking is going on right here in our own community. And people don't realize that, how crazy it is that it's actually happening right here, which is sad. Yeah. It is very sad. And and, and and we but we are doing everything from, from our ability in the General Assembly to strengthen our laws as it relates right. to trafficking. Because it is it is, it is a problem that we're continuing to deal with. One of the things I want to wrap up with is the constitutional carry. That's kind of really uh, stirred some eyebrows and raised them a little bit here recently. What's uh, what's going on with that? Well, that's actually law now. The okay. governor uh, signed the uh, constitutional permitless carry bill, I believe, now two weeks ago. So it passed the the House, passed the Senate, and uh, and the governor has now enacted that legislation. Okay. I think there's several important pieces of that legislation. One is the enhancement factors. We are having a problem with 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 guns being stolen and then those guns being used in in the criminal world so you've got someone that shouldn't have a gun anyway that that then commits a crime with that well the actual theft of that gun was tied to the value of the gun and so then that became maybe uh, an a misdemeanor you know because the actual theft of the gun since they qualified that crime as what the value that you were stealing there wasn't a whole lot of penalty to that now it's a felony yeah, yeah if you steal a gun now you are it's a felony and you have a mandatory sentence of six months so you're going to jail yes if you steal a 500 it doesn't matter if it's a 500 dollars yeah. gun or a five thousand dollar gun mm-hmm. you you are going to jail if you steal that so one of the enhancements to this particular legislation is the fact that you will be going to jail if you commit a crime with this gun after you've either stolen it or you illegally possess it now, juveniles, is, is the handling different with juveniles? Are they going to be treated as adults? If they steal a firearm out of a vehicle, commit a crime, and they're caught and convicted, are they still going as a juvenile or an adult? Typically, that's not addressed in this legislation okay. at all. all right. um, but but typically, to answer your question, is they will be in juvenile court. It'll be up to the judge whether okay. or not they'll be tried as a juvenile versus as an that adult. If they commit yeah. an adult crime and they are, you know, it's, it's sort of a, it's a subjective sense of what this child knew 
knew they were getting into. If they're 10 or 11, 12 years old, they may remain in the juvenile system. But if they're 15 or 16 and they're committing a crime like that, yeah. they, they could potentially be uh, tried as an adult. That will all be a fact-intensive adjudication process with the juvenile court judge. Well, and I, I know that all the, the police chiefs everywhere have been pushing and pushing. Don't leave your firearms in your vehicle. There's no need to leave that that in there. It doesn't make sense to me why they would do that, and especially if you're spending eight $900 on a firearm. You're just going to leave it in the glove box or underneath the seat. They're going to find it, and it's That's right. crazy. That, that, I would say that that would also be important for anything of value that you have in your car, Absolutely. because especially if it's present, if it's seen, your iPad, your phone, that these folks are targeting that. And also, believe it or not, what's even more scary is that people are leaving their cars unlocked. And, and, and if you talk to any of the police, yep. primarily how they're, they're not busting out windows, they're not busting out your windshield, they're not coming, they're, they're going to cars that are unlocked. And they are usually looking for those high price items like guns or or an iPad or computers or whatnot. But yeah. lock your doors and keep the, get that stuff out of there Absolutely. Is, is, the, is the answer and how to resolve that. Well, we can go on and on with all of the, the, the bills and the great job you're doing. Uh, well, I appreciate that. The an, it is an, I, I'm having a lot of fun. I, I really am. But it's also a serious job yeah. that you almost can't take your yourself too seriously yeah. but but i am immensely proud and it's an honor to serve those folks here in my district along with sumner county and of course across the state yeah uh that because that, every law that we pass is going to impact everyone and it's just it's just a very honor and privilege to serve the folks of tennessee well just keep up the good job man we appreciate you and uh, all that you do it's been a pleasure having you on the show here and thanks for taking your time out to do this uh, this is gonna end our segment here at sumner county spotlight uh, this is jeff shannon we'll uh, join you next next Sunday at 10 o'clock here at WHIN as we bring you another Summer County Spotlight and of course sponsored by our friends at FNM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard right here in Hendersonville. We'll see you next week and so long. Sumner County Spotlight on 100.7 WHIN 1010 AM has been brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. Whether you need personal banking, banking for your business, a home mortgage, or considering refinancing your home, FNM Bank will provide you with excellent service right here in Sumner County. Visit them today at myfmbank.com. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.